0: Okay, looks like we're all set. So, um, Lowell, thank you for um, agreeing to participate in this, first of all.
1: Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. (laughs)
0: Um, And I don't know if you want to, I don't know, say a little bit about your background before we get into the questions, or if you want to just dive right in.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, I guess it it depends. I mean, it's your project, so... uh, true. So uh, you you tell me what you what you want to know and uh you know I mean what 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 is your um I guess what do you what do you uh, is the interview like background for another project or is the interview the project itself
0: Um the interview is part of a larger project the um class is actually called developing Um, museum web projects. So basically, Uh, it's about um, the online initiatives that museums are taking to um, reach out to their visitors to create a more um, interactive experience. Um, Okay. So part of this is um, interviewing someone who works in the museum field who does some of that online work um, just to get their perspective on what's going on out there?
1: Well, I mean, I just, uh, I will definitely give you uh, my perspective on that, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, just know that mine's a, a pretty narrow slice. So, <laughs> um, so uh, my name is Lowell Robinson, and I am uh, the director of the uh, Digital Experience Lab, which is a new R&D group that uh, we have here at the Exploratorium, And we work a lot with trying to merge um, new digital technologies with our traditional hands-on approach um, to science and art and just sort of human perception. So um, because we're such a physical place, um, but uh, the world is increasingly more digital, it's sort of we're exploring where those things come together
0: awesome Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess starting in with the questions um, you mostly come from a fine arts and cinema background so um, did that lead you to work in museums Um, did you just kind of find your way into museum work
1: right well I um, I did go to graduate art school and uh, I, I went to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and a a long time ago (laughs) and I I studied uh, filmmaking they have a very particular type of filmmaking program there it's not really uh, it's art filmmaking it's very um, it's very experimental Um, and one of the things that you're able to do with that is you're, you're really trying to think about a lot of really abstract ideas and how do you put together Um, how do you put together uh, an idea that might be almost impossible to describe in other terms? And uh, how do you talk to other people about that and how do you collaborate about that? And so at the same time, I was also studying uh, sort of new media and uh, I hadn't been exposed to that. And new media um, has some similar sort of challenges to... Um, that kind of experimental filmmaking in terms of um, maybe this isn't such a linear path that you're taking people on. And so those two things worked together for me. Um, And when I first came to California, I worked uh, for um, an animation company that no longer exists. And in that animation company that did traditional animations, um, they also had a, a digital division which is the one that I worked for. And I worked on uh, CD-ROM games, um, which really dates me, because <laughs> the idea that uh, people would put CDs in their computer and play games off of those is just from something a really, really long time ago.
0: Yeah, I grew um, up playing those, so, I mean, I
1: okay. it's not so well, foreign a
0: concept. <laughs>
1: uh, well, <laughs> I think I still actually I- have
0: most of my old games.
1: I see. Okay, well, there, I mean, I... I think what was really exciting about that is you could, you weren't really restricted by bandwidth the way that you were in the early time in the web. Um, So, um, because, you know, you'd have 600 megs or so of of art or sound or whatever you wanted to do as an experience. Um, So my, my first job at the Exploratorium was actually contract position where they had had a a digital physical experience on the floor with Mm -hmm. multimedia and they wanted to rethink it and um, I I guess because of what I sort of described before in terms of approaching abstract ideas like it, it connected with the people that were working on it and I worked on that project and eventually I started doing other types of digital interactions on the floor. Um mm-hmm. and I um but but you have to remember that the exploratorium has maybe more these days digital interactions, but around twenty years ago there were less of those. And it was really what I what attracted to me to the exploratorium was the physical interactions, not the digital. So I was always trying to say how could we make these digital interactions more visceral or to connect to them. Um, So when I started working on the web, um, I was actually working on the web and the floor at the same time. That was the idea to kind of see if some of the the visceralness they were trying to come up with with digital interactions on the floor, could that that be translated over to the web? And there were lots of sort of plug-in technologies that were making that available in the browser at the time. So, um, the early ones that were happening were like, uh, Macromedia had shockwave, Mm -hmm. um, which was based off of uh, director and, um, director was something that I had done in grad school. And so that was kind of easy to translate that over. Mm -hmm. And, uh, also flash, had started to get more and more mature. And so because of those, um, you know, there was a lot of ways that you could, like, sort of prototype things in the browser and push on that. And we had lots of exhibits to base what we would want to try and say, hey, did, will that work on the web? And uh, what advantages might we get from from putting that on the web? So uh, that's that's kind of how it started for me.
0: Neat. And it um, sounds like you started from kind of – I don't want to call it a niche corner, but just being more familiar with um, – getting people to relate to abstract concepts kind of helped you move back and forth between the, I guess, art world and museum world. And
1: yeah, yeah. Those... I mean, I, I do, th- I do think that with, when you're, when you're dealing with something that's new, um, how, you know, having a new way to describe it that can help connect with people that don't know what that is, mm-hmm. like that's helpful, right? So. Yeah.
0: Particularly you, in it,
1: science museums. Well, I mean, we're, we're way more than just a science museum. Like, we mm-hmm. really do push on the idea of science and art and human mm-hmm. perception, and we're, we're kind of unusual in that way. And because of that, we can, we can connect to a lot of different mediums. But, you know, today, if you were to think about museums that want to explore, say, virtual reality or augmented reality or mixed reality – there's a lot of there's a lot of approaches to that, and so it's really trying to put it into another language that people at the institution can connect to or think about developing around um, so that they don't you're not you're not just sort of passing around buzzwords you know right we we're not really just trying to copy necessarily something that already exists I mean we need to make something that works for this kind of learning environment mm-hmm. um, and museums are Are really unique that way
0: right and so um, in designing these apps and digital content um, I know some of them have been used in classrooms and been and can be used kind of independently of the physical museum itself so um, do you purposely design them to be independent or do you try and link them up with a current exhibition to draw traffic into the building
1: right Um, so in the early day, when we were creating digital experiences, um, they were, they were pretty independent from the museum. They were definitely inspired by the museum. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people wanted to be able to connect it back and they're like, Hey, I see you have that on the web. Do you have that on the floor? And we're like, no, actually we don't. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was kind of funny that way we would have lots of use of, well, we have lots of use of our apps um, worldwide um, that have no idea that we 're even a museum here in San Francisco oh wow, so yeah, yeah, it's really <laughs> interesting that way um, i think i think it's I think different projects kind of have different goals and different mm. different use cases of what they 're trying to do. The work that i've done um, is used a lot in educational markets, but it wasn't. That wasn't really the push that we had. I mean, it's it's inspired by that because we are a learning institution. Um, so when people started communicating to us, like, "Hey, we're using this in our classroom, and I'd really like you to do a landscape view because it'll project better for the classroom." Um, like, that's that's a really <laughs> that's a really solid. Piece of feedback and a great criticism, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we weren't actually designing it for the classroom. It just right. happened to be used that way. Um, but that being said, like we now have other groups that are trying to specifically do things that will say match up with um, what are called like next generation science standards or mm-hmm. what um, what educators are specifically trying to do um, locally to California. Um, that's that's a different space than mm-hmm. more of the global educator space that we were in before, which was, you know, we're really we're really interested in everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: And so, um, as these apps and programs are being used around the world, how do you ensure that the Exploratorium is um, staying in mind of the user? Um, like, how does it maintain its presence in these programs? Do they just think that the Exploratorium is the company that produced this content versus an actual learning center?
1: Oh I see um, right so um, again, I think you'd probably get different answers depending on who you would talk to mm-hmm. so my my boss um who's the um Associate Executive Director Rob Semper. He mm-hmm. describes the Exploratorium as like a research and like an R and D laboratory. Like that's okay. that's really how he sees this institution. And um, and that's I, I don't I don't think that that's necessarily everyone that's walking through the door needs to see it that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's how he describes it to us. That's probably how he describes it to the, to the museum field about what we do. Um, and I definitely think that if you, you think back to, I don't know, how familiar you are with the history of the Exploratorium and like our founder, Frank Oppenheimer, and how we started it. But I think that that's, that's, that is a really rich story, but ultimately it's the experience that people have here, which is, you know, that's what you get. Right, mm-hmm. like, like that's what the experience. That's what you come home with. So for us, for, or for me, the experience that people have when they're doing uh, an app or some sort of other experience that we create, I care very much about the user first, and mm-hmm. um, that's that's probably the most paramount thing for me, um, for them to um, to really. Ha- let them have a like kind of a deep inquiry experience about themselves or the content or an, an, an idea that's sort mm-hmm. of coming up. Um, I think, I think a lot of times it's people need to go further knowing the institution that that comes from or where can I find more work like this or like that, that's also great because mm-hmm. you know, I I want to be able to not not so much support it, but I'm like, who else can where else can I get this this is like the author that I like I want to get more of their books right but I, I would I wouldn't say that that's the thing that I really want to put out as much first as much as the experience um, I, I think if it if it was more if you know there's certainly institutions that might be pushing things more from the like content marketing standpoint, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's anything wrong with that um, then that might be the goal, right? That you're that you're saying, hey, I really want to make sure that like our brand is is very present in people's mind to connect right. to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and I would say that because of the work that we do, I think we have a pretty strong digital presence, and I think people are aware of who we are and what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's from from my standpoint, it's not the you know, you're not like you're not staying on like a big long loading screen. Mm-hmm. All about us,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, not not everything is has the little trademark symbol and copyright and whatnot.
1: Well, um, you know, I mean, I think actually it's funny what you say about the copyright. I mean, the Exploratorium. There's a lot of people that use the word Exploratorium, and so I think for for. The institution, over time, they've they've definitely gotten a lot stricter about about wanting to, you know, pursue that. Um, we are very careful about that, um, just because not that it not not the idea of uh, dilution, but I mean, if you really have a trusted name, you don't you don't really want people putting out other material that isn't yours, where they're not being careful about it. And right. One yeah. thing that we are is really careful. So, um, in that way, I do think that the how you how you describe the work or how you put it out is you know like it it's it's uh, it, it's different than say like a commercial brand, but it is mm-hmm. still important to us that way.
0: Yeah, I ya. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you decide um, which topics or experiences? I think you've um describe them as um how do you decide what to cover Mm
1: -hmm. uh well i mean my if i was if i was uh talking to somebody who wanted to make something like i probably i'd probably tell them (laughs) that they should do something that they're like that they're passionate about and that they're familiar with Mm -hmm. um you know you're going to be spending a lot of time with this (laughs) and uh you don't you don't have to know everything about it but you you have to you're going to have to want to dig into it and mm-hmm. and, and figure that out so we a lot of the, a lot of the topics you know that have happened here over the past almost 50 years it's hard to come up with a subject here where someone hasn't described like we've done that mm-hmm. so in that way there's this amazing um, resource of just talking to people here to be able to research an idea or find a connection or to push on something. But we do have kind of larger major themes that we try to develop, um, or that we have been developing over the years. And so when we did our first app about color, that's, that's actually something that the, that the museum has done almost from the beginning is, is thinking about color from both science and art. And, uh, And so sometimes you'll get a synergy that way where um, there was a color festival that they were trying to create and they were looking for sort of content synergies and I thought it would be really interesting to try to do an app versus what we had been doing previously, which is more like web-based experiences. And so that's what pushed the content in that direction. But when we decided to do sound after that, it was just more about we d- we have, we've covered sound here, but it was more about in the, and I, re- I did a, a website an NSF website, but years before that, uh, science music, we had also done a, a really large NSF floor exhibition about listening. Mm-hmm. But one of it was that we felt that the, the tablet and the way that the sensors worked on the tablet could, we could push ourselves a little bit by doing like a topic like, like sound. And try to use other elements that we hadn't used already in color, right? So,
0: yeah. uh,
1: how do how do, how can we use the mechanism that way? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, one that we didn't do, um, but is pretty, we have prototypes of that's really great. Is uh, we did one on time. Um, so, it's in in this case, when we were really thinking about that thing, that is a sort of the authentic experience and something that's visceral. Um, it is thinking about the medium.
0: Mm-hmm. Was that um, time one that month of Saturdays? I'm forgetting the exact title, but
1: right. So, how many Saturdays was actually? Uh, that's, a, that's kind of a funny story. That um, that was that was a concept that came up while we were thinking about the time one, mm-hmm. and because time was a little bit more challenging, um, about how to approach it. We thought we would just do Saturdays quickly and then we'd come back to time. So, but Saturdays really wasn't as quick as I thought it would be. And we went back to time. So, but that's, that's where that one came from. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I guess with, um, being familiar with working with abstract concepts, really anything can be a source of inspiration.
1: Yes. I would say for me, definitely. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so with these projects, how do you decide um, where that line is between education and entertainment? Because I'm sure a lot of these people just go for the experience and um, maybe not necessarily to learn about a particular topic, or at least not consciously. Um, so,
1: right. Yeah. I think that's, I, I understand what you're saying. Okay. I I think I think that there's a is a really interesting thing that you bring up which is uh, this is gonna sound kind of meta, which mm-hmm. is something that I think everybody in the museum field is comfortable with. But maybe yeah, not and, so much outside that. But it
0: works well with the theme of this interview, so
1: <laughs> Okay. So one of the things that we're really interested in is learning about learning. Mm-hmm. um how how do we learn things and, and what does that mean so a lot of museums definitely have i guess to like just put it into like an easy bucket you would sort of describe it as educational right mm-hmm. it might be uh there might be a a brochure about it or a book there's a thing to read on the wall or an audio tour sort of describing I think I would probably challenge anybody to think back to their own education and think about what are the, what are the things that they remember? You know, what are the things that really changed the way that they thought about the world? What where, would where they ask questions about the world and how do they push on that? That's really, um, that's really one of the roles of, of museums as institutions. You know, that's, it's, it's, it's not really duplicating school, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a different type of cultural experience and it allows you to do a different type of inquiry process, um, with people that you might not necessarily come across with in your, in your regular, you know, your regular life. And hopefully it's a safe space to do that, Right. So right. it's not that you couldn't have a cool conversation on the subway. you absolutely could, but you know if we're going to um, go into a topic here, um, you you might you might push a little bit on yourself or you might challenge yourself a little bit. Um, and in that way i would I would be hesitant to put a label on where is something uh education, because for me. The idea of a true, authentic experience—like for me, that's like potentially one of those life-changing moments—and mm-hmm. um, and I've gone to plenty of—I've of, gone to plenty of uh, shows where I've like I've read everything that they have, and it's all been presented, but it didn't—it didn't connect with me in the same in the same way, right? Um, and. It's not that it's it's not that it's not trying to educate me. It's just we all learn in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so, um, a lot of, a lot of a lot of things with, with inquiry based processes is not so explicit, like, okay, here's the question. Did you get it right? You know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think the the thing that we love about about let's see if we're gonna call it entertainment or things that seem interesting is that it engages us right Right. so when you when you play a video game you are engaged in it Mm -hmm. and you are constantly learning rules how it works thinking about that space I mean it's amazing what you can learn from that and no one's describing that as educational content right right and um and yeah, like, you know, I guess if you wanted to put it in the context of whatever it um, might be, like architectural studies or virtual worlds or that you could, but there's just so much to it more than that, right? Mm-hmm. And so that context of how to get you to think about it from that perspective or how to enliven that inquiry process is really, that's that's what makes it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um and that could easily live um symbiotically with it being entertaining.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have to be an either or situation. Yes. Um, so um you spoke a little bit about like how people learn different ways and um at least for this graduate program, I've had to read many articles about um, different learning styles and how museums Mm -hmm. can engage different types of learners. Um, Have you come across that in creating these experiences for the Exploratorium? Um, Have you had to direct a project to engage a certain type of visitor or change something um, after you've learned that it's leaving a certain group out?
1: Right. I think um, that's a great question there are specific groups here that, that really work uh, on those topics um, in a much more rigorous way that I do but mm-hmm. because I do work here and I have them as colleagues and I might share an idea with them or see things like I'd, I'd like to think that I'm like still lo- learning and growing as a person and that they influence me greatly you know mm-hmm. um, i don't um, but I would not say that the projects that I work on are specifically formal that way um, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, research projects where we're really trying to attract this audience or see if we could um, apply this and and attract a, a specific learning style, mm-hmm. but we do make a lot of Informal observations with the work that we do, which is really interesting and um, It's it is it is you know for people that are uh, Even like mildly observant you're like wow look who's connecting with that versus you know another person. That's not Um, That's really different in the completely virtual digital world and how do you set up? ways of observing that and how do you accept you know that's like I never was – there's a lot of amazing types of spyware software that people opt into all the time and they don't really realize how much they're giving away of their privacy. I'm a mm-hmm. huge um, privacy uh, advocate, mm-hmm. so I was never really comfortable with that in the uh, in the online space. But now that I do a lot more physical, um, physical experiences, and I'm just watching people, and it's obviously a much smaller group size, right? Maybe you're only interacting with a few hundred people at a time versus, Mm -hmm. you know, our apps, which are in the millions. Um, So it's, it's selected that way, and there's a lot of, you know, because I'm not doing it as a research project, I have to be really conscious of, you know confirmation bias or some sort of thing like that, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm really like, Oh, I want, this is the story I want it to be so badly today. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, you know, a lot, a lot of the, like the design process is really trying to show it to as many people as possible and really take in what are people getting from this and how are they approaching it? and What are they taking away from it? And, that changes, that changes like my designs all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there's, I, I never think that the thing that we're starting with is where we're going to end. Um, it still has to make sense to us, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but, but it <laughs> definitely, uh, I definitely, uh, love the idea of like being surprised saying, wow, I never imagined somebody would see it that way. Let's change that. You know, mm-hmm. like if it was something where they were, misinformed or it was throwing them down the wrong path
0: mm-hmm. yeah making um subtle tweaks here and there or, or sometimes
1: not that's not sometimes not that subtle but
0: right yes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big tweaks um, i'll give
1: you an, i'll give you just an example that's kind mm-hmm. of this is this is really quick but we did a project super interesting for me it was part of our thursday night adult programming mm-hmm. and we had uh, the theme was dangerous ideas Ooh. and yeah it's cool and there was um, well you can see on the website there was a lot of different speakers and there are a lot of different projects and uh, our colleagues approached us with if we wanted to create a um, an exchange sort of a social practice exchange on the floor of the museum mm-hmm. and it was based off of a art piece that was done in London mm-hmm. where people but that one was done more towards privacy as opposed to what this one was and the one in London asked people to give up their their phone or their device where they would trade something off of their device in order for currency in the store mm-hmm. so you could give a photo or a text or a tweet and you could even hand the phone all the way over and they could choose whatever they wanted and mm. depending on how much you were willing to give up you would get more currency in the store and they had like really well-designed swag that you mm. should be able to get and um so our colleagues they sort of approached them and they're like hey i'd really like to do that how do you, do you think you, you could put something like that together and so we came up with this you know, very similar idea. But in this case, what we wanted people to do instead of us taking something from from people is we wanted people to be able to choose what did they carry on their device, their their phone, that they considered dangerous. Mm. That's all we told them. Um, And I think that that, Can mean a lot of different things for Mm. for different people about what that was. So there's a few other parameters that we had. You had to, you had to choose this. You, you did have to share it. You had to tell us why you considered this dangerous, right? This could, wasn't just a thought exercise for you. Mm -hmm. And you had to give us, you had to give us an image of that, um, in some form for the story. And we, would, we were presenting those that night. We had a giant screen that we were grabbing these images and we were collaging them. So it had, to, it had to be something that they were win, willing to, like, physically, visually share, orally share. And they had to go through the process of doing this. And they got a beer. They did this. They we were trading this for beer. <laughs> and um, every, I'd have to say... the amount of time that people spent with this process was, like, amazing to me. And every every example was was totally different about what was dangerous for people. And And the truth is, for us, as a practice, I really didn't, I wasn't judging, <laughs> I wasn't judging whether I thought it was dangerous, right? It was whether they were putting the effort in for, like, what was dangerous to them. And... Mm-hmm there were plenty of them that were dangerous and, and maybe not for the way that you might think. And so it was incredible um, just to really, when we we're really talking about different learning styles or the ways that people approach, the fact that it had enough parameters for people to be able to think about it, but mm-hmm. not so much that, like, it was for them to make it a like a, like a real experience. And mm-hmm. and so it was, Almost
0: almost like they could fill in their own blanks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Neat. I yeah, it was it was super cool for me.
0: Of course my brain is immediately going like, Oh, someone should do something similar but with a Klondike bar but uh-huh. that's a whole nother marketing discussion. Um so um since you don't really work th- with these formal parameters and saying like, mm-hmm. we must have an experience based on this or it must include these types of thinkers or these mm-hmm. um, certain standards. Um, how do you measure the success of these projects?
1: Uh, well, I, I definitely think of uh, the way that we'll tell you that my boss describes this as a, like an R&D learning laboratory like, mm-hmm. I definitely feel like we need to learn something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like I certainly, I, I sort of described that I thought, like, user experience was first, and that's true. Mm-hmm. But, like, the success about it is that, like, yes, let's say the project is successful. Like, did we learn something? Are we pushing the way that we are learning to communicate or create these experiences? Can the next one be better? Can we build on this idea that we had from this the the previous so let's say you had something and it's like everybody loved this like are you going to make another version of that Mm -hmm. i think if we're going to make another version of that like it would have to be also to answer new questions for us to continue to learn um because i think like as an institution and because so many things are really challenging us from a technological like the speed of just trying to understand like our world and everything around it, like we have to we have to really push on ourselves to be able to say, "Can we take on something harder? Can we do a more complicated subject? Can we still make that engaging um, so you know certain types of metrics are very easy in terms of like you know you know let's say it might be downloads or let's say it's you know like press or let's say it's something that attracts new funders and you can continue to do new work from that those are all valuable and they're all successful Mm -hmm. i think what i would say is that like organizations are they're you know they're living and so we need to continue to push on ourselves and groups that maybe didn't work before together need to say wow That's really interesting. Like, we should work together. We should make this happen. We should continue, you know, we should try something else out. So we have a little bit more of a a university model that way. Mm -hmm. And so where do those connections come from? Um, And I would say any of those things would be considered successes in my mind.
0: Awesome. Um, And I guess my last question for you is um, you've been working at the Exploratorium for almost 20 years now um mm-hmm. i i do believe so yep. as the technology has changed and as the museum field has changed have you had to um learn any new skills to keep up with the technology or um the way visitors are interacting with the new technology in a museum environment
1: yes <laughs> um, i mean i, I mean <laughs> i mean i would say I mean, from just the straight technology part, um, you know, we do we we are we build our own stuff, and that's mm-hmm. either on the physical side or on the digital side. And so, um, like I, I haven't built anything in Flash in a really long time, right? So, um, if you <laughs> if you really wanted to put something on the web these days, like like there's amazing JavaScript libraries, you know, there's amazing ways to to push um, from that learning perspective, and if you want to be that person that isn't uh, that's actually building that, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you are one of those people that like I'm not just thinking about it, but I also want to build a prototype of that, or I want to build the final version, then yeah, you have to you have to keep on learning those technologies in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be you know that could be on the web, or that could be with specific hardware. Um, you know, I, I was really interested in um, iOS programming because I was carrying around, like, an iPhone.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: when I first did that, like, that was Objective-C. But then, you know, they switched over to Swift. And so, like, again, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to learn that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really a programmer. I just, for me, I I want to... I need to prototype in that space. And so for me to prototype in that space, I have to learn that. That might be learning a a new piece of software that I've never used before. Or even if I'm going to work with somebody else, having the knowledge about what does that take to make, it just makes it a more comfortable conversation Mm -hmm. moving forward. Um, And... um, I think that uh, the other part of that is like when you think about the interactions that people make with things. I mean, smartphones have really changed museums everywhere. And um, the majority of the way that I see people use smartphones is they take photos if the museum allows that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they might do some other kind of, like, knowledge lookup, you know, if that's that kind of piece. Um, other, you know, museums are always trying to figure out, like, how to piggyback on top of that. Like, hey, this is the picture you want to take, or scan this code, or use our app. Um, it's interesting, like, you, too, if you, if you really want to build for spaces that way, you really have to, like, think about, like, how do I use my device? You know, when do I use it? and what way do I use it? If you want to imagine that existing in spaces, um, other spaces, right? Um, is The thing that I do while I'm waiting on mass transit, the same thing that I want to do when I'm in this, you know, like this museum, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and when that, you have like this another thing, like another screen that's really competing for people's attention. So how right. does that work, right? And mm-hmm. uh, what if I'm only looking at, all of these artworks through my screen mm-hmm. and uh what kind of experience is that like so i i think there is there is the technology part about like for me just on the prototyping side that's had to change but it is very much more that user experience of like can you do a deep deep dive and like you know oh am i one of those people that ignores my friends when i'm staring down at my phone like mm-hmm. And and trying to, like, say, oh, am I doing that in other places? (laughs) Am I doing that in this gallery? Am Mm -hmm. I doing that? I'm a parent with kids? Like, what are those use cases? And so for me, a lot of times when people will be like, hey, I want to bring this technology into the situation, I'm like, again, if you think about, like, what that experience that you're trying to generate first versus the technology first, Mm -hmm. you can really see if, like, is this going to help me or hurt me in this situation?
0: Right. Well, I think that's all I have for you today. Um, I want to thank you once again for participating in this interview. Sure. And um, taking the time to set up um, the interview and speak with me. Um, Mm -hmm. So unless you have any questions for me or any more sage wisdom to impart, I think we can wrap it up.
1: Okay. All right, then. Uh, Well, thanks for your time. I thought your questions were really nice. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. Good luck. (laughs) Bye. Bye.